Good morning. It is Sunday, September 2nd, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week in, on In the Wheelhouse, the Miami Marlins, the woeful Miami Marlins, are actually lowering, lowering their ticket prices next season. Mike Schilt is given a vote of confidence by the Cardinals' front office, and Andrew McCutcheon is traded and has to shave. Plus, the Brewers and the Indians make a last-minute deal. And as always, we talk about the week that was for the Chicago Cubs. Tom, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? I'm about 54% this week Ooh. after some uh, travel, late travel yesterday for Michigan. We were fighting out uh, uh, a weather, a rain delay, if you will. Um, and uh, we were supposed to leave early in the day after the boat was taken out of the water. But uh, we didn't get it, get back into town until rather late last night. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I mean, the kids are back in school, which, you know, really increased the tension factor in the house by, by 10 <laughs> and, uh, you know, just just getting them ready because we also are coordinating with our neighbors and their daughters. And so, you know, do the kids, do the girls ride their bikes to school? Is the weather good enough? Do I need to drive them? If I drive them, that means I have to stay here an extra 15 minutes to bring them right to the door, which puts stress on me as far as getting to work on time. So there's all this, you know, there's lunches, there's breakfast. My God, it's unbelievable. It'll, it'll calm down, but this first month is going to be really difficult. So, well, so it sounds like you're describing a modern day Ozzie and Harriet meets yeah. uh, Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, um, no, that's what it, it is. <laughs> so that, that, that's good. That uh, thing, you know, the school year's back in uh, session. Uh, we had a really good time in Michigan. We were there for, uh, extended period about 10 days oh, uh, nice nice one of the things that we have in our little garage bars we have a, like basically a full movie theater with a, a great sound system um and by the way if anybody's going to break into our house don't break into our house break into our garage yeah that's uh, where the that's where the good stuff is but but we saw uh 15 movies that that and oh. I, I kind of review my movies as i go along and uh a lot of times what we do is we watch uh, horror movies in the garage bar because it's late at night. But uh, this time it was a, a, a nice blend of films. Um, nothing really sticks out. Uh, we did. I finally got to see the movie The Artist, which was the best picture from about uh, almost 10 years ago. That was a really good movie. Uh, but anyways, uh, let's get to Around get, the Leaf. Yeah. Um, we'll why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, we'll start with the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins are actually lowering their ticket prices. Uh, there's a quote, we weren't very smart, said Chip Bowers, president of business operations for the Marlins. And I think he's talking about, well, primarily that they, they broke up and traded away whatever good major league players they had in an effort to be as terrible as possible to acquire controllable, inexpensive, talented ball players for the years going forward. But the result was they just didn't put a very good product on the field. And, uh, and, I don't think they treated their fans very well. And I think that this is a little too late. It's too little too late, but I think it's at least a decent gesture to show that, uh, yeah, we kind of screwed things up as far as our fan base. Well, you, you link an article uh, by Cesar uh, Brazio um, of the uh, USA Today um, quoting Chip Bowers. By, by the way, Chip Bowers, that name sounds like something right out of the onion. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but anyways, uh, this article was terrible. I, I, I read the article. I'm like, 
one of the things you could do, Cesar, is maybe actually put what their attendance numbers are and maybe what the ticket prices are. You know, he goes through this whole, you know, two or three paragraph thing where he talks about it, it looked like one of the essays I used to write in high school where I would where they said 500 words and I would use all 500 words talking about nothing. Um, and, and that's basically what this writer does. What, what I'd like, I actually kind of dug a little bit deeper and, and Miami has an average of 10,000 fans per game. Ow! Ow! And, and, and they're in the middle of the pack from a, co- a ticket cost. Their average ticket cost is $31. By the way, the Cubs are number one in the major leagues. It's kind of scary. And they're not number one in attendance. The Dodgers are. Um, and, but they have the highest payroll in all of baseball. Um, the, the Cubs do, or uh, besides, Bo- uh, besides Boston, I'm sorry, sorry, second place. But the point I'm trying to make is Miami, this is, this is, why does this, this story sound familiar? Because we've seen this two or three times in the last 20 years. They win the World Series, they dump their team, they, you know, yeah. uh, wash, rinse, dry their hands on their pants. It seems like yeah. this, this has been going on. The only difference is they haven't won the World Series and they dismantled their team. And so when you look at the fact that, you know, they all the other factors, their, their, their payroll is relatively low, that I will say. So they need to kind of go out and spend some money on their team. And the reality is 10,000 fans a game, are you serious? No one is even close to that. I know. Tampa Bay, I know. Tampa Bay has 15,000 and the rest of the league is at over 20. I know. Or, Ch- or, yeah. they're, or they're up. So – there's a reason. Don't say you made a mistake. You guys are greedy bastards, just like everybody else. And if you had thirty thousand uh, butts in the seats every night, you wouldn't be doing anything but raising your prices. That's right. That's right. And teams should strive to be good. They should strive to to raise prices. You know, in in the sense that they should be creating a demand for their product. Correct. Correct. You know, and 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 that's just. I mean, it, it is a little embarrassing. Hopefully. They'll improve. I mean, we need to have the Miami Marlins. We need to have them on the schedule. So, you know, we'll just yeah. take it from there. All right. So Shohei Otani, uh, the Japanese pitcher slugger, pitcher yep. slash slugger, right. uh, who has not been pitching most of this year since he suffered an injury, I think, uh, in May. He's going to take the mound again. And yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is such a good idea, Tom. I think it would be different if the Angels were more – of a contender. I mean, they're 12 games out of the second wild card in the American league. It doesn't look to me like they have much of a chance. Uh, I don't know if this is a good idea. I I, I agree with you on part of that, but the other part of me thinks is this guy needs to work. I mean, if if you were to project Otani's numbers out for the whole year, he would have been uh, 14 and five on the pitching side with 30 home runs on the hitting side. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) right. I mean, that's Babe Ruthian. And quite frankly, I don't, I don't have an issue because I think Otani and his people uh, are behind this because I think he needs the work. And uh, so I'm okay. I'm okay with it in this case. I understand what you're trying to say that the, that, that the angels are playing for absolutely nothing, but really they kind of are playing for stuff. If, if uh, Socha is going like most reports still are, even though he's disputing it, most people are saying he's done these players are kind of playing for next season to a certain degree. I think that you're going to see guys like Trout and him go all out. So. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Moving on to uh, the National League Central. The interim tag was taken off of Mike Schilt's name as Cardinal manager, and they signed him to a two-year contract beyond 2018. I saw an article in Fangraphs, or yeah. I saw an article in the St. Louis um, Post-Dispatch right. uh, as to whether or not the Cardinals should have waited until the end of the year to lock Schilt up, who everybody feels deserves a chance to be the manager. Do you think they pulled the trigger too soon? 
You know, yes, I do. Yes, I do. However, I, I'm, I'm torn. Uh, after reading the article, I thought, well, you know, they, they make some very good points that, but if I ran the team, I would have waited till at the end of the season to remove the interim tag. But the article, yeah, you know, and the article we're citing is by Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post Dispatch, an excellent writer. You, you yes, he read, is. You should be reading the Post Dispatch for their baseball coverage. Tremendous. But but there's been a lot of national criticism of the Cardinals front office for for perhaps not waiting until the end of the year, waiting to the off season so you could interview other candidates to maybe see if the, if this Cardinal sort of resurgence is, uh, is, is, is real or if it's smoke and mirrors, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but he's been with the organization a long time. He's a company if, man. If, if you dig deep into the facts, he's as qualified as anybody. Yeah, so yeah. that part I don't have an issue with, but I just think that they made kind of a impetuous decision based on their hot streak, which hopefully is coming to an end soon as a Cubs fan. But, but the reality is, is that Schilte, Schilt is deserving, and but I but if I owned the team, I would have waited until the end of the season to see how the playoffs played out before I made basically a ceremonious decision to um, to extend him, and I would have extended him. So just a last little note: the Cardinals were twenty-two and six in August. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. Best team, best team in baseball. I know. Yeah. So, but, all right. But their so, last ten games, they they're just a little bit behind our Chicago Cubs, which we'll talk about in a moment here. Yes, exactly. All right. So moving on, the Phillies acquired Joey Batista, Jose Batista, Joey Bats. This right. is the third team he's played for in the National League East this season. He's yeah. played for the Braves, he's played for the Mets, and now he's playing for the Phillies. This is bizarre. Yeah, I'm I'm ready not to be talking about him ever again, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of Joey Bats. I don't like the bad flip stuff. I don't like oh, I, I don't I, there's a lot of, yeah. about this guy I don't like. But uh while we were talking about the Cardinals, you you, you uh, brought up a point about Harrison. Uh, oh, that's right. He skipped ahead. That's fine. That's fine. We'll go back no, and touch yeah, on this. Harrison Bader, Harrison I believe. Harrison Bader. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. T- tell me what you know about this, because th- this is a really interesting article. Yeah, this is a great piece. Uh, on fan graphs. You got to check this out. Uh, Harrison Bader, does he deserve to be rookie of the year? He's the center fielder right. for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's been playing wonderfully. Now, everybody, the consensus choices for Rookie of the Year in the National League, or Ronald Acuna, and uh, and who's the other guy we're thinking of? It's uh, Soto, 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 Soho for the uh, Washington Nationals. Yep. And so they both have had excellent seasons. And and he was doing a comparison of their wins above replacement. And yeah. uh, you know, as far as hitting for offensive war, um, Soho and uh, Acuna are ahead of Bader. Now, Bader has a comparable number of at-bats. In fact, he's, I think, had more at-bats or plate appearances than the other two. No, actually, he's had less than the other two. He's had less than – okay. So, yeah. But the point is is that those two guys are way ahead of – not way ahead of him, but they're ahead of him in terms of hitting and in, in, in terms of their value in terms of wins above replacement. Right. Now, <clears throat> when you factor in defensive capabilities, defensive contributions – Bader puts them in the dust as far as wins above replacement. Now you're combining overall contributions offensively and defensively. And it's not that Bader is the better player. He's much better than the other two. But, you know, now that also being said, the writer goes on to make the point that uh, I think this is Jeff Sullivan who wrote this. Yes. He he makes the point that uh, the Cardinals would probably trade Bader for Soho or Acuna immediately. 
Yeah. And, and I think you're probably right because offense, I think, matters more in the context of winning. But it is interesting that a defensive player can contribute so much more by virtue of just saving runs from scoring by the other team. Yeah, you know, I would say in the case uh, of, of Bader, um, he is a tremendous defensive player. Um, however, he really is. he's not even in the discussion for rookie of the year, in my opinion. I, no, I, no, I, no. And, and the reason is, is because you can, baseball history is littered with with great defensive players that can't hit the baseball very well uh, coming out of their rookie year. And in fact, Almora comes to mind who couldn't hit the ball at all as no, a rookie, no. but he was great defensively. That's not rookie of the year. Acuna's going to win. Acuna Jr., I should say, is going to, to win the rookie of the year, I think, running away. One of the reasons is, is he hasn't even played a full season, and he's, he's amongst the league leaders in, in many offensive categories. And yeah. while he's nowhere near as good of an outfielder as Bader, not many people are, quite frankly. Almora is, but, but not many people are. Um, I, I just think that uh, Soto's going to come in second, and Acuna Jr. is going to win it. Um, and the fact is, Every team in the majors would want to have Acuna on their team. And, and when I look at the Cubs, the Cubs would love to have Acuna. But where would Bader play on the Cubs? Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. hang up and listen for my yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would he wouldn't play on the Cubs. All right, so let's skip Joey Batch. We'll go right to Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. He gets traded from the Giants to the Yankees. And the Yankees have a policy where players have to be clean shaven. They're not allowed right. to have beards or mustaches. Yep. And uh and, and so now Andrew McCutcheon has to shave his. And uh McCutcheon is very active on social media. He he posts a lot of things for his fans. And I think on Instagram he posted uh, the pre and post shave, which was pretty cool. And uh, he'll look very clean cut. I think this will be a nice nice move for his career. Yeah, you know, I've always loved Andrew McCutcheon. I've I've loved him when he was on when he was the MVP for the Pirates. And and the thing that's incredible about this guy is how quickly he adapted. If you read yeah. uh, the article on uh, uh, him, there was a couple of them. He actually was in a Starbucks when he found out he was being traded, and uh, you know he went basically went home immediately, and uh, and 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 you know, with his son was his, his younger son was actually messing around shaving. Apparently, he he shaved partially and sent it to somebody on the Yankees and the Yankees said, no, 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 you got to go all, go all in. I think it's kind of cute, even though I think the Yankees policy is somewhat ridiculous nowadays. It um, is antiquated. It, it is, is but, antiquated. You but, but you know, they're the Yankees. They can pull it off. Um, but the thing, the interesting point of it is to me is that the Yankees made that move, which tells me they're slightly worried about Aaron judge returning. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the McCutcheon is a Band-Aid, a pretty damn good one, for uh, Aaron Judge, um, yeah. who may or may not come back this year. And if they, if he doesn't come back, that's a pretty big hit to the Yankees. It is. It is. But McCutcheon will help them, and he'll certainly help them in the clubhouse. He's the kind of guy you want on your team in that regard. All right, so some other waiver wire trades uh, last minute. Josh Donaldson goes to the Indians. Now, this was significant because, again, I read another article on Fangraphs about this, but but the, the Indians' biggest problem is they lack production from center field. Yeah. They rank last in terms of uh, contributions from their center field position. So what they want to do is in acquiring another third baseman, which seems ridiculous on the face of it yeah. because their best player is their third baseman, Jose Ramirez. One of the best players in the American League. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to produce the only double-digit win above replacement season for a third baseman ever. 
But anyway, they're going to wow. move from. Yeah, I did not know that. That's never happened. Wow. And he's going to move to second base, Ramirez will, because he can play all of the infield positions. And they'll take Jason Kipnis or whatever their, their, yeah. their uh, yeah. second baseman, and he'll move to center field. So it's a very indirect way, way of, uh, of addressing that sort of deficiency. So I thought that was kind of uh, well. That's that's if Donaldson gets back on the field. I thought he's not been cleared to play, um, and he hasn't played played the game since May. So no, no. there's some big question marks there. Uh, I did not know that about Ramirez as the win above replacement. And the reason that that I think that that's unbelievable is because Mike Schmidt. You sure Mike yeah. Schmidt never had a, a double? I, I, I will look it up. I will look it up on base because he was a, he was an offensive powerhouse at third base. He was, um, and he was an MVP. And yeah, yeah and he was right. a great he, and he was a great defender too. So um, that's very interesting. I know that uh, the Brewers were able to nab Gio Gonzalez, which that could come back to haunt our our beloved Chicago Cubs because that, that could hurt us. That that, could that guy us. could win some games. He's still got some wins left in that arm. Um, they also the the Brewers also were. Curiously, very active at the deadline. Picked up Curtis Granderson and a left-handed pitcher named uh, Xavier Cedeno. Um, I thought uh, you, you and I have been very critical of the Brewers this year right, for sitting right. on their hands the last couple of years. I think they needed to make moves um, prior to this, quite frankly. Um, but uh, Gonzalez could be a much uh, – you know, needed shot in the arm yeah. uh, for them. You know, well, they, you, I wanted to just transition uh, one last thing here about uh, you bring up a point about the walk-offs this year. Walk-off games, yes, yeah. games that are won on the last play of the game. And what you know, I, I didn't I didn't know that that this was that we're having such a great season in this regard. What? Yeah. But as, as I'm speaking collectively as the major leagues, you you point out that. Uh, there's been 81 walk-offs this season. Yeah. 81 walk-offs. <laughs> That's games, amazing. Which is, which is a major league record, and it's it, we we t- and today is September 2nd. And, we have and, a full month, and Bodie has 75 of them. But anyway, all right. So, uh, so do you want to talk about this other issue? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, once okay. again, what's reared its head in baseball? This this happens. You know, we were talking about attendance a little bit earlier this year. Attendance is down uh, about six percent over the major leagues. It, some reports say it's eight percent. Some some reports say it's six percent. Regardless, it's down. However, revenues for Major League Baseball are at eight billion dollars for this yeah. year. So. Yeah. They're making money, but less people are going to to uh, actually watch it live, and that that's a slight concern. Um, and we've talked about this before. One of the big drivers for this is the time of games. People have, have con- for the last twenty years are saying that you know the sport of baseball is is kind of uh, losing its way because of how long the baseball games are taken. We've talked about you know. Um, the issues in September when they expand the rosters, there's more pitchers, which means the games are going to take even longer. They are. There's more pitching been, changes, you know, yeah. They put a shot clock in baseball as far as making pitchers throw. But what this uh, uh, writer for the Wall Street Journal, Jason Gay, uh, proposes is something that's been talked about, and I've read about this before. It's something called the catch-up rule. And basically what it says is when teams are uh, are even, where the score is even, 0-0, 1-1, whatever, then there's, there remains three outs uh, in the game. But as soon as a team takes a one-run lead, 
they lose an out and play with two outs versus three outs. And, and, and what they projected is that the baseball, the game would, would speed up between 15 and 18 minutes a game, which, by the way, that's a significant amount of time. Um, however, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous. Ridic- leave the game of baseball alone when it, when it comes to what yeah. happens inside of the chalk lines. I, I really, this kind of stuff, it just makes me crazy. It does. Uh, the, the game of baseball, I've said this since I was a little kid, is the greatest game I've ever seen outside of maybe the game of chess. It's the greatest game I've ever seen. Leave it alone. They yeah. said, I, if, if I ran the game, there wouldn't be a DH. We've talked about this. Everything would be back to kind of what the original rules were. I'm not stupid enough to think that we don't have to modernize the game, but stuff like this is just crazy. We don't need to touch no. uh, the, the outs or, or, or even the more ludicrous thing what they're talking about. They're actually seriously talking about this, which is to change, to put runners on second base in extra innings. I think that's crazy too. I, I... I'm less angry about the runners on second base. I mean, if it happens after maybe the 11th or 12th inning, I'm okay with that. But, but this changing the number of outs is nonsense. And, Correct. and, and when you do that, you're going to lose connections to the past. And that's, I think part of what baseball's fundamental appeal is that they're playing the same game that Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb played essentially. Right. And that you can compare what a player does today to what a player did in 1935. And, and when you lose that essential connection to the past, I think you lose something really valuable, but uh, all right. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that is nonsense. All right. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Cubs, which is, you know, why we show up every week and the <laughs> Cubs are in a stretch where they play 23 straight games. Yeah. Now, Pat Hughes said that he couldn't think of anything that he'd like to do for 23 days in a row. Well, I, I got I got to disagree with him on that because there is one thing I can think. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, let's keep it. I got my students listening. So yeah, I know, but uh, they've started. Well, how off... do you know? How do you know what I was talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, I am making an assumption, <laughs> but uh, but they have started off well. Very they're, well. They're they're eight. They're nine and two actually in this stretch. And they swept, uh, they had the first four-game sweep of the Reds at Wrigley Field since 1945. So they're in, a good, they're in a good run here, and they need to be playing well. And if they play well now in this stretch, they, they'll win the division. You know? Well, this is classic Joe Madden. If you look back, yeah. going back to when he started managing the Cubs or any of his teams, quite frankly, he's always hard-charging towards the playoffs, which is um, what we love about him. And we're going to talk about Madden in a second. But I, the Cubs are definitely – um, uh, on a hot streak right now. And part of it is very interesting because, you know, Chris Bryant just showed up yesterday and he was, you know, he was <laughs> two for four, but it, the addition of, of Murphy at the front of that lineup is huge. Really, I feel, is. I, I feel bad for Russell. And when I look at the team, it looks a little bit bloated from a, a, a offensive personnel standpoint, because they're definitely going to have to make some changes in the off season, unless Murphy is a one-year rental like you think, and I think he may be more than a one-year rental, maybe a two-year rental. But And if that's the case, then I think they have to move Russell. He is so old. Murphy is so old. He's 35. I mean, no, I know. I know. I know. He, he actually remembers Prohibition. I know. It, it, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's, it's really embarrassing. But, um, but I will say that uh, he has helped the Cubs. There, there's no question. He's given them what they haven't had since Dexter Fowler left. And that's uh, true. That's true. And that's a, a leadoff hitter. But but not just a leadoff hitter, a spark leadoff yeah. hitter at the beginning of the line. The, the guy, the, the 
Murphy is a deadly hitter. And like I said last week, I'll keep saying he was a Cub killer. There's no reason to believe that once the playoff season starts, that he can't be one of those kind of guys that really puts us over the edge. Um, yeah, no, you know, and, which we de- we desperately need. Um, and so thank God Cole Hamels is turning into, you know, the second coming of Cy Young because, uh, you know, we needed that too from, from a, from a uh, starting pitching standpoint. So we, right now I'm kind of satisfied with what they did with the starting pitching. And I'm certainly sat- satisfied that they went out and got Murphy. And basically we got him for a bag of balls and some score sheets. No, yeah, it wasn't, we, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. we didn't pay a lot. Well, um, so the, 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 the score sheets were transparent though. So you can use them with the overhead projector. So I did want to, I did a kind of a dive actually into the win loss record of the Chicago Cubs and, yeah, me too. And, and, and how they, how they got to basically where they are. And I went, you know, I went, what I did was I isolated their uh, winning streaks, not necessarily winning streaks, but stretches where they played really well. Yeah. So I isolated those and which in turn isolates the stretches where they played really bad. And uh, now I want to ask you before we get, what is their longest losing streak of the season? Um, I, I want to maybe six games, five or six games, five games. They lost five games between uh, way, way back, way, way back in, in like uh, May, between May, April and May. Right. And uh, they were, but in that stretch, they were 10 and five. So, you know, it's been really strange. I mean, they start off the year with an 11 and 10 stretch. Then they go 10 and five. Yeah. Five and seven for the next 12, then 11 and two. This gets them to 37 and 24 overall. Right. Okay. So they're now, this is where they kind of assert themselves. That's right. And that's get into when, first the, that's when the season started to shift at that point. I remember that. Then they go six and 10. Now, this six and 10 period represents their worst stretch of baseball this season. Yeah. Then they, then they go 13 and three, 12 and 12, and now currently we're 12 and five. Now, right. the reason why I sort of point this out is that when the Cubs have been bad, they really haven't been that bad. You know, they're, they're struggling around 500. Give one away, get one. Give one, get one. Yeah. You know, so when they're bad, they're really just average. So bad for the, this season's <coughs> Cubs is average. Good is really good. So I think that that's why they'll obviously, I think they're in the driver's seat as far as winning the division but why I think they're such a good team. And they're, they, they've been the best team in the National League. Oh, yeah, and they are the best team in the National League. However, I also dug a little deeper into the Cubs this Uh-oh. year. And uh, they're 34-32 and 32 against 500 or better teams. And that's yeah. kind of a scary number. The good news is there's only six better teams than them, and the rest of the major leagues are basically under 500. Um, and, and so... Uh, teams that are, are under 500, they're a staggering 45 and 23. Wow. So, so they're, wow. Beating up, they're beating up on the schlubs and, yeah. they're, and they're playing barely above water against the above, above average teams. That's, that's slightly uh, concerning. They are um, 22 and 20 in one run games, um, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, it, uh, it's, the, okay. you know, it's It's not. Oakland is 27 and 11, uh, yeah, which yeah. is the best in the major leagues. Boston is 20 and 11. But uh, the other thing is in extra inning games, they're eight and eight, um, which is not so good. That's, that's not so, that's 
uh, one of the worst ones in that category. Um, where they do look really good is um, against their own uh, division. They're 33 and 27. Only the Cardinals are better in the Central. They're 38 and 28. Um, however, the Cardinals really struggle against the East. So if the str- if the Cardinals have to start off against Atlanta, that could bode well for the in the playoffs. In, yeah, in the playoffs. So. Um, the Cubs are doing very, very well. You know, they're not as good as two or three teams in the American League, but then again, that's nobody else in baseball is. So um, you can't ask for much more at this point. Uh, there's got to be a representative in the World Series from the National League. Why not the Cubs? Exactly. They that's seem the to way. be the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what Why I mean? Not? So, um, you know, it's, it's funny you brought up the Cardinals, and I, I texted my friend in St. Louis. He had gone to the game where the Cardinals had beaten the Reds, I think, like five to nothing. And this was the game where the Cubs had come back to beat Atlanta on that uh, two-run home run by Tommy Lestella. Right, Lestella. <laughs> so in that in that one game makeup uh, series last week, where the Cubs actually had to fly to Atlanta for a day, fly to Atlanta. They did three cities in three days, which was nonsense. But but anyway, so I so I, I was teasing him. I said. Did your heart sink when you were watching the out-of-town scoreboards when that, uh, when that you know, the Cubs were losing and then they go ahead? And when that appeared on the scoreboard, and he said, honestly, right now in St. Louis, we're watching the wild card stuff. Right. We're, we're watching Colorado, L.A., Arizona, Milwaukee. You know, those are those are the teams we're paying attention to right now. I, I thought you were going to say his answer was, you know, as a Cardinals fan, I don't have a heart. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. All right, so moving on. Bob Nightingale, writer yeah. for USA Today. Yeah, this is really another, caused, another, kicked, another doozy. Yeah, he, <laughs> he kicked open a hornet's nest. Yeah. When he wrote an article about how little managers in Major League Baseball are making. But he begins the article with, uh, uh, with, a, with a little bit that says that two Major League general managers who, who are anonymous, unnamed, yeah. said – that, that the Cubs probably won't bring Joe Madden back as manager if they don't either win the division or make a deep run into the playoffs. And I was just like, <laughs> I, 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 that's I, just I, ludicrous. Okay. That's just ludicrous. And the whole city came to his defense, the entire organization, everybody got pissed off. Joe was interviewed about this on the score and he, he wasn't mad, but he did call Nightingale who's a friend of his, he said it was dumb. It was a yeah. dumb thing to write. It is dumb. Yeah. And, and the Cincinnati Reds, going back to the 1970s, learned that you don't get rid of – you don't fire Sparky Anderson. That's a dumb, dumb yeah. move. Why? Right. And, and they're not going to fire Madden either. The most interesting thing in the whole article is when they interviewed Madden for the article, he said, you know, it's a little bit of a Sarah Huckabee-type position. Yeah, you know, referring to the White House uh, beleaguered press secretary. And immediately I thought, so, Madden, you've been lying to us then? (laughs) I don't know about that, but uh, (laughs) I don't know about that. But uh, but that, you know, he he, it's funny, though, because what the idea of him managing for somebody else, I know (laughs) it's just ridiculous. Why would you let him go? He knows so much about your organization. Let this man retire. I mean, every manager eventually 
runs runs his course. Yeah, you know what I mean. In any given city, I mean. So the, you know, the, U- the USA Today didn't have a good week. I'll put it no. to you like that. That, that and, was a stupid article, and and Cesar Brazio's article was 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 just malpractice, really. Well, well, you know what was funny is Bob Nightingale went back and ch- they edited the article and took that thing out. About yeah, no, GMs. I saw that. I saw that. And and so you know, which you could do. That's the thing. You know, it's not so easy. It wasn't so easy to do that thirty years ago. No, right, 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 right. All right. So um, the Cubs acquire a veteran catcher. Right. Uh, Bobby Wilson, you know this guy from the Twins? I don't know much about this guy. He's supposed to be a good catcher as far as defensive and being a good receiver. I think it's there. The Cubs annually seem to acquire a veteran catcher at this time of year. You know, so I've, I've never heard of the guy in all honesty. And I thought that the most interesting uh, comment that was made was by the uh, Cubs uh, pitching coach, Jim Hickey, who had one of his gloves. Yeah, that, yeah, that was funny. I didn't see that. He, you had, know, he loved him on the race. So, you know, is this guy David Ross? No. Is no. he as old as David Ross? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. But, but, you know, if he provide, you know, once he gets off the DL, if he provides some veteran uh, leadership at the catcher's position, I'm all for it. A and he with, can soak up a few innings at the end of the season, then that's okay with you. You know, we, we DFA'd Mazzoni, who was god-awful. I, I looked at Mazzoni's numbers when he was on San Diego. He had like eight innings pitched, five home runs allowed. Um, so, well, but, you know, he came in and they needed somebody to pitch, and he was there. I mean, yeah, if no, nothing right. else, exactly. he, he was, pitched he, the that, innings. You, know? you, just, you just called his career. He'll be mentioned in baseball reference, but not much else when it's all said and done. And, you know, we, uh, we traded uh, Jimenez, uh, who was basically Wilson. It's, it, Jimenez is, I think, 34 years old. Yeah, so, well, uh, well, but Jimenez was here to hold Hugh Darvish's hand. When you Darvish isn't coming back, there's no need to keep him. You know, yeah, I mean, at least that, not this year. But that's like the Ross uh, Lester thing. Eventually, you got to to throw away the bottle and, and yeah, let the yeah. let the baby. You got to uh, wean the baby of the bottle. Right. Him, yeah, exactly. that's right. All right. So Chris Bryant is back with the Cubs. He rejoins the Cubs after coming off the DL, and Jason Hayward goes on the DL. Which is, now, sad, which is sad, which is sad because he's having a great resurgent yeah. year. He yeah. could ease up for comeback player of the year, by the way. He is, he is, and and hopefully it's not serious because if for nothing else, you need his defense in the no outfield. doubt. The late end defense he provides is extraordinary. But now Chris Bryant comes back, and we can finally push that slacker David Bodie to the bench. You know? <laughs> yeah, where he so richly deserves. But I will tell you, the cup, the cup. We keep talking about Bodie, who's. In, has having <coughs> who did a, a a beyond admiral job yeah of, he, he uh, was great pin, pinching pinch hitting or pinch playing i should say for bryant while he was out the guy we're not talking about is leading the major leagues in pinch hitting and that's tommy Lastella. yeah so, 30 30 pinch hits uh, right right that's very gates brown like yeah it um, really is. and, it and is. so uh i think again another embarrassment of riches uh of the cubs have um, it's going to be very interesting, uh, but I think you're also what you're going to see is Madden, who's obviously on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Uh, yeah. You know, really kind of resting and and making sure everybody gets a, a a fair amount of play in in September. Meanwhile, keeping your eyes on the Cardinals because we have to keep them you know three to four games behind us every single day. But I I do think that it allows Madden somewhat of the luxury of 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 making sure his players are well rested going into October. Okay, so let's uh, move on. We're going to go to This Week in Baseball History, and we'll finish up with, well, we'll begin with August 27th, 1946. A committee 
Born to Study Integration, which Jesus. includes Red Sox owner Tom Yawkey, delivers a secretive report during an owner's meeting defending the color barrier which exists in professional baseball. And the reasons cited in the exclusion of blacks include the lack of fundamentals, the need to respect Negro League contracts, and the owner's reluctance to give up revenues from Negro League teams renting their ballparks. Rubbish. It's rubbish, Yaki. I, I since we have young listeners today, I'm not going to say what I'd really like to say, but it rhymes with the word truck. Uh, yeah. The fact yeah. of the matter is, Yaki, you you are you are disgusting, and that and that whole yeah. argument is absolutely disgusting. The reason why the Negro Leagues existed is because of racism, and and it, it had to exist because these guys weren't be given a chance to play in the major leagues, where many of them would have been the best players of all time, including the that great catcher who who maybe was the baseball's greatest player outside of baseball. Oh, Ruth, well, yeah, right, Josh right, Gibson. Right. Josh Gibson, right? right. So that, that Yaki, the more I hear about that guy, the more I just I, I I'm absolutely repulsed and disgusted by by him and his Boston Red Sox, who are the best team in baseball this year, well, by the way. Well, now, this next one also includes the Red Sox, August 28th, 1932, due to the anticipation of a solar eclipse. The, <laughs> the Red Sox complete a game several days earlier with the Indians than it was scheduled. So they beat the Tribe 4-3 to three in, 11, in 11 innings. Three days later, Fenway goes dark for 20 minutes during the solar event. Well, Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah, well, that, to think of something like that happening today, that's mind-boggling. It is. They just, I think they would just do it. You know, they would just go ahead and play on. So anyway, um, 19, uh, August 27th, 1977, four seasons, uh, 1,382 major league bats. Dwayne Kuyper hits his only <laughs> home run, his only home run in his 12 year career. And who did he hit it off of? Steve Stone. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's of that's a great uh, six degree separation of Kevin Bacon there. That's amazing. Yeah. When when Stone would would broadcast for the Cubs, they used to give him shit about that. You know, they used to give him shit about giving up Dwayne Kuyper's only home run. But uh, all right. Uh, so this, know, so one, oh. one of the things that I just want to mention briefly is because we haven't really talked about this, and certainly not in a long time, is that this is the last month of announcing for arguably the worst announcer in all of sports, your Kenny Hawk Hor- Harrelson. Ken I mean, Harrelson, that's it, right. It, this is his last month as an announcer. I'm overjoyed. You can put it up that I'm not bored anymore. Uh, we, we will devote an entire segment to, to the Hawk, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, down the road. But, uh, but you're right. It, it, is, it is time for the Hawk to hang up his vocal cords. And, and, <laughs> yeah. You know. I'd like to help him but I have up. two more points. This one I threw out for you. On August 30th, 1905, Ty Cobb gets his first major league hit, a double off of Jack Chesborough. Wow. Uh, who was a great pitcher, by the way. He was a great pitcher, a spitballer. Yeah. And then uh, September 1st, 1971, at Parc Jarry in Montreal. Uh, this was where the Montreal Expos played their, their inaugural season. The Pirates become the very first major league team to start an all-black lineup, Good which includes Al Oliver at first base, Rennie Stennett at second, Jackie Hernandez at short, Dave Cash at third, the outfield is Willie Stargell, Gene Kleins, and Roberto Clemente. And the battery that day was Doc Ellis and Manny Sanguian. Now, now was Ellis on LSD in that game? No, he was not on LSD in that game. <laughs> he did go on to pitch a no-hitter 
on LSD later on in his career in pitching in, I think, L.A. Yeah, uh, but, uh, Timoth- uh, Timothy Leary struck out for the final out. Yeah, uh, but uh, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, the, I, a friend of mine was from Pittsburgh, and he said that uh, what they used to call that team was the Nairobi Nine. You know, wow. yeah. is, that, is that a racial slur? I, I guess it's a racial slur, or maybe it's just something, you know, but that's what they used to call them. They called them wow. the Nairobi Nine. So I don't know if I, that I thought they called appeared. them the Bucks. Yeah, exactly. The Buccaneers, exactly. the Pirates. <laughs> well, you know why they're called the Pirates is because early in their uh, sort of career as an organization, they would steal players from other teams. They would hijack them and bring them over and <laughs> sign them to contracts. So yeah. Wow. All things, right. The things you learn on in the wheelhouse. Yeah, that's right. We are. We are. If nothing else, we provide a valuable service for our listeners. And if you have any questions or comments. If you'd like to uh, have your name mentioned on our show, please send us an email. <laughs> and at a five dollar with a five dollar bill with a five dollar contribution <laughs> to you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Tom assures me next year we'll have Twitter. So anyway, it was great talking to you again as always. Yeah, have a great week. All right, you too.